0: You know, sometimes uh, we're excluded from certain things. It's just the way the world works. Um, When I've been visiting different countries, uh, like, for instance, when I was in India at the Taj Mahal, I couldn't get, I couldn't pay the uh, citizen rate. I had to pay a lot more because I wasn't a citizen of India. Uh, When my daughter and I went to Russia, same thing, we were at Red Square, Lenin's tomb, really wild. Uh, but we couldn't pay, we had to pay the foreigner rate because we weren't citizens, right? We were excluded from the privileges of uh, citizenship, and which was paying a, a better rate at going in. And, and so sometimes you're excluded the basis of your identity. Sometimes we're excluded as we just don't make the cut, right? So my lifelong dream of being a solid gold dancer has never been <laughs> achieved. I just didn't make the cut. I mean, even though hours, I would, I would practice the hand motion, but there's more to being an 80s dancer than just that hand motion. You actually have to have rhythm and move the feet too, which couldn't do. Um, but the opposite's true too. Sometimes you are excluded at one thing, but then because of a change of identity, you are included. So. Um, when I was a teenager, I went to Fort Devons and I couldn't uh, go to the PX and buy stuff because I wasn't a soldier. But then after basic training, I could go to the PX and get all those discounts because I had the red uh, active duty uh, badge, uh, ident- identification, right? I had a new ID, so therefore, I could go to those places. And so there's many reasons in life where we are excluded for something or included or we uh, are divided with people based on either how we identify ourselves or how others identify us. But as we're going to see today, if we're in Christ, then that identity far surpasses any earthly difference. That no matter what separation or barrier that goes up in this earth, in this world, if we're in Christ, those barriers fall down. That separation doesn't happen. And so that before, no matter what excluded us from being a part of God's people, and last week we talked a lot about that, our sin excludes us from being God's children. But that in Christ, he makes us his children. In Christ, our identity is is, is a part of being included and unified in God's people. So last week we made some progress in our sermon series in the book of Ephesians, and the title of that sermon series is Who Are You? And we talked about how in order, a part of our identity, in order to understand who we are, we also have to understand who we were. That a part of who we were helps inform who we are today, and that um, against what our culture tells us, we act. The Apostle Paul says, actually, we we were children of disobedience. We were children of wrath. But in Christ, we are made his children. In Christ, because of Christ's sacrifice, because of God's love, he is the one who has brought us into his family. That's who we were. Who we were is a a story of death to life, all because of Christ, not based on our own works. And today we're going to continue to see, to look at that question, who were we? But not just as individuals, but who were we in terms of being a people of God? Because how we view ourselves, that identity question, affects so much in life. It affects how we think, how we interact with others, how we speak. And so it's important to understand, yes, who we are, but also who we were, and that informs who we are today. So the Apostle Paul, again, he's continuing that theme of of who we were, but now he focuses down on the people of God. Who were the people of God? And Paul is going to be addressing the Gentiles primarily in this section. So what's a Gentile? A Gentile is simply someone who's not Jewish. Okay. So again, what Paul, he was Jewish. The first Christians, they were all Jewish. And when Paul would uh, start a church in different places, right? for instance, in Ephesus, he would start in the synagogues. And so at, at first, most of the Christians were from a Jewish background. But now in Ephesus, when Paul writes this letter, more and more Gentiles, more and more non-Jews are, are coming a part of the church. And perhaps now maybe there is a majority of Gentiles in the church in Ephesus. And Paul is going to be telling them, just like they were dead in their sins before Christ and separated from God, so too were they separated from the people of God. But now, as Christ has brought them into fellowship with God, Christ is also bringing them into God's people. So before they were separated from God's people as as Gentiles, but now they're being brought into God's people. So let's look at this scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, Verses 11 through 22, but we'll go a chunk at a time Ephesians 2 verse 11 Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by uh, What is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and Strangers to the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. Again, similar to last week where uh, Paul gives the straight up bad news first, right? You were dead in your sins, you were dead men walking. Now he says, hey, Gentiles, you had no hope. You were separated from God because God was working through the Jewish people first. And he reminds his mostly Gentile audience that, again, they were separated from God by virtue of being separated from God's chosen people. and. And you might think, well, that's, you know, I'm not used to hearing that. Well, again, when God (laughs) started working in the world, he creates the world, the world's fallen, and then he chooses certain people and works through them, and yes, he brings salvation to the world, but at this time, before Christ, he's working specifically through Abraham and then Abraham's descendants. He, He chose to work through them. So for instance in Deuteronomy chapter 7, okay, this was God working for the children of Abraham who have now become Israel He brought them out of slavery in Egypt He's going to establish them in the land and this is what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6 For you are a people holy to the Lord your God The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth so here, the Gentiles, they're not a part of the people. They're not a part of, they don't have that history, those chosen descendants of Abraham. And that's why they're called the uncircumcision, right? There's a recognition that that they're not a part of God's covenant with Abraham that was signified by circumcision. So yeah, not only were they individually at odds with God, that's what Paul talked about in the last section, but they're not a part of God's people. And therefore, it seemed that they were not a part of God's redemptive plan. However, in Christ, God's redemptive plan was unfolding, and it was entering into a new phase, and it was to go worldwide, and it was to include the Gentiles. And that's one of the things that Christ did, and that's what what this section's about, is that now that redemption, that salvation is going worldwide and not just um, with God's chosen people, Israel. So let's look at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So the Gentiles, they they were excluded, they were divided from God's people. But God's salvation plan, it's it's an unfolding story from Genesis all the way to Revelation. So yes, underneath the, the Israelite theocracy and the Old Testament covenants, redemption was restricted to the ethnic descendants of Abraham or to proselytes, those who would enter into citizenship in Israel through circumcision and through commitment to following the Mosaic law. And one key element of that law was the the collection of commandments that forced Israel to be separate from her Gentile neighbors. There was lots of levels of separation, even uh, think about the temple itself. It was that there's a holy God, he's in the holy holy place. The priests, they could go into that holy place, but no one else, there's separation, walls of separation because of who you are. If you're a priest, yeah, you can go in uh, closer. If you're a a Jew in good standing, yes, you can go into the temple courts. But if you're a Gentile, you can't go in there. You can't approach Israel's holy God. In fact, in the second temple, there was a sign at the edge of the Gentile court that basically said, if you come in here, you are taking your life in your hands. Because if you're a Gentile, you're going to get killed if you come through this. That was a physical wall, a dividing wall that didn't just separate the people, but it was also representative of all of the different commandments and the ways that the Gentiles were separated from God's people. But now, Christ, he is, it says that he's broken down that dividing wall. That, that dividing wall of hostility has been abolished, and that, goes for two things. First of all, there's that hostile um, dividing wall in that we um, and God, there's a hostility there in that our sins go against God. So there's a hostility there. Christ, Christ nailed that hostility to the cross when he took our sins. He took God's wrath. But also that any hostility between Jew and Gentile or between people was also obliterated. Because think about that. If we approach God, not based on merit, not based on ethnicity, not based on anything but Christ's sacrifice, then when Christ gives his sacrifice and takes down the wall between us and God, that also means we're the same people. We're in the same boat. la di da everybody needs Christ's forgiveness. And that's what he brought. So that any of that dividing line, it doesn't just fall between us and God. It falls between one another. And that's what paul is saying here christ unites these estranged peoples and he gives them a promise of a new identity so that the people of god are yes the ancient prophets and the israelites but also now the gentiles that means people of every tongue tribe and nation everyone who's not jewish so that includes most of us. I mean, there's probably a couple of you who are from a Jewish heritage, but for the most part, probably at least 90% of us were all Gentiles. So this, this applies to us. And we take that for granted that, oh, of course, God was. But no, before Jesus came, right, there was dividing walls. You couldn't just go up into the temple all bold like. You get smacked down. I mean, think about that. As we entered into this place, hopefully, I hope, you didn't have any fear of getting smacked down or anything like that. Uh, if you did, talk to me after, because we got some things to talk about. But i, I got some problems to <laughs> fix, if that's the case. Um, and we take that for granted. But they're, they're, that is because we have lived so long with that truth that God has got a worldwide plan that God in Christianity is going through the world. We're taking the World Missions Offering as a testament to the fact that, yes, there are people from every tongue, tribe, and nation who, are, who God is bringing into his kingdom. But again, it didn't start out that way. It started out with God has to, yes, his plan has always been for the world, but first he's working through a particular people in a particular time. So he's telling the Ephesians, especially those Gentile Ephesians, that no, now you are a new people, that you were excluded, but now you're included. But it's not based on what you did, it's based on God's plan, it's based on Christ's work. And now in our last few verses, Paul concludes by teaching that this new, united kingdom of both Jew and Gentile, is has, um, they're united in being citizens of the same kingdom, of being members of the same family, And then being all apart the same temple. So let's look at that. Verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him... You also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You see, you, Paul's saying, you were strangers and aliens. You were not of God's household. But now, now you're citizens, now you're family members, now you're actually part of God's holy temple. And so think about that, citizenship. Yeah, we just talked about being citizens in Israel, but the Ephesians would also understand Roman citizenship. And Roman citizenship had great privileges, and it's not like today, where if you're born, like in the United States, you're automatically a, um, a citizen. In Rome, very few people were actually, uh, in the Roman Empire, I should say, uh, very few people were Roman citizens, only like 10% or something like that, uh, maybe 20 and so most people that Paul is writing to, they're not citizens of Rome. But if you were a citizen of Rome, you had some privilege. For instance, you, you, could get, um, you would have a trial. You'd be um, entitled to a fair trial. You couldn't get tortured without a trial. That's a bonus. I like that. Um, but not everyone could. And you could all, your travel, your, your ability to conduct business, it was at a higher level because you were a citizen. And so now Paul is making this, this amazing claim to the Ephesians that they're fellow citizens with the saints. And that would have communicated what a, a stunningly elite privilege that God was giving them. And remember, some of these people are slaves, that uh, if you look at uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 and 6, it's clear that some of these Ephesians are slaves. And Paul's saying, I don't care what you are in the world, I don't care what socioeconomic level you are, if you're a citizen, non citizen, foreign, whatever, in God's kingdom through Christ, you're a citizen. You have all of the privileges and the rights of a citizen. I don't care what people look down upon you for, or whatever, if you're a slave, uh uh-uh. In God's kingdom, through Christ, you're a citizen. But then, he, and so any division between the upper and lower class, between citizen and free, Christ demolished that dividing wall because we don't enter into God's kingdom because we're citizens of this country or that country no we enter into God's kingdom by Christ's grace through his blood so those dividing walls that people sometimes try to bring into the church Christ has already destroyed those so don't be bringing those in here that's what Paul is saying and and for them it was it, it had to do with yes the dividing line between Jew and Gentile but it also had to do with wait I'm a citizen I so my whole life I've been a slave. Paul's saying no. That kind of dividing wall does not hold in Christ's body. But he he even takes on to another level. He says, You're not just citizens, you're family members. <laughs> Think about that. So, all right. If, if we're citizens, okay, there's still some walls that you you really, you know, don't just go go through. There's still some dividing walls. You know, so for instance if you're a, I'm a citizen of the United States, if you're a citizen of the United States, you, you don't probably just go walking into my house, right? <laughs> I mean you're you're welcome to, but I prefer you knock. We don't we don't do that. If we but if we're the same family. If we're family members, then those walls in your house well, they don't mean the same thing, do they? Because we're family so we can go walking right into one another's homes. And that's what Paul says he's okay you're citizens but also, any of those dividing walls that you may have between like families and stuff, those are down. Those don't count anymore because we're one in Christ. Think about that, think about the inheritance, think about the closeness, any of those kinds of walls. Again, socioeconomic walls. You, you know, Wendy can't say, well I'm of one socioeconomic status and I'm another. No, we're married, we're the same family. So are we of the same family of God. So all of those divisions, all of those lines of separation that we set up or pull in from the world to the church, those don't hold. But wait, he goes even further. Because then he says, you're a temple. So in a temple, again, there's walls that, that, um, that separate people from the outside, but the temple itself A temple is the place where God manifests his presence, his spirit, in a a particular, spectacular, intense way. And now Paul's saying, you know what? You are the temple. So any walls between us and God, wait, no, we are the walls. God comes and he dwells among us. You can't get any closer kind of image than that. There's no walls between us or God. And we're, it says we're growing into a temple so that we will transcend all human buildings, the worldwide church of Jesus Christ. And Christ is the cornerstone. And the apostles are the foundation. So that means that, yes, we're all united, we're all together, but it's also based, it has a foundation and a truth beyond ourselves. It's Christ. He's made it possible. But see, each image that Paul uses, there's there's fewer and fewer walls and more and more unity. And in this section, Paul, he moves on to the fact that anything that was separating them, it's gone. And so as we look at this passage, it applies to us. Again, you're probably a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. not of a Jewish heritage, and so this applies to you and me. We were separated from God. We were separated from his people. But Christ came and brought us into God's people and his plan. But before that, we were excluded. I don't know if any of you ever been to the Newport mansions down in Rhode Island. Some of you have visited those, right? Well, if you go there, you can look at certain things. You can go in certain rooms but don't try to go busting into other places, right? They won't let you. Why? Because you're not a family member. Only family can go in that part of the mansion. We know what it's like to be excluded, and Paul's point here is, uh, with, with Christ, he has broken down those walls because now you're citizens, you're family, in fact, you're a part of the people of God. And this unity, this inclusion, it's not just between us, uh, between people, it's between us and God. That any of those walls of hostility, Christ has brought down through the cross. And again, because it's based on Christ's work and not our own, that means we're all in the same boat. Whether Jew or Gentile, we all come to Jesus, or excuse me, come to God through Christ and his sacrifice. And And that's so important. Because sometimes when we think of Church, when we think of uh, the temple, we think of building. But here Paul says, no, it's the people. Because we are the church. We are the temple. We're being built into a place where God resides in us. Now, another application is that, um, and, and Peter talked about this in the children's message. Right, that any kind of separation, any kind of point of division, it, it's, it's not to be brought into the church. Rather, Christ, like he is that bowl, and he holds us all together. And, and see, sometimes we, you know, we get that conceptually. We're like, oh yeah, everyone's equal in God's eyes, and so on. But what we end up doing is we end up bringing in walls from the worldly sphere into how we look at one another. So like, yes, conceptually, we understand that everyone's different and and everyone has a part. But so many times, all right, I'm a green, right? She says, you know, in the salad, you add some greens. Well, I'm a green, right? obviously Joe Green. So so I could, you know, with a salad, I could be like, yeah, I get that you know, a, a really good and, and healthy, colorful salad needs to, tomatoes, conceptually, but then get a, try to go about turning everyone into a green. Right. Don't we do that? Where we're, we're, like, we're assuming, yeah, I get it conceptually, but really, if you really wanna be spiritual, if you really want to be loved by God, then you gotta be more like a green, or if you're a tomato, you gotta be more like a tomato. Fred is all about the tomatoes. <laughs> But you see that instead of saying, no, no, let's everything be the same, there is a strength and there is a beauty in the fact that God didn't just save the Jewish people. No, he saved Gentiles of every color and creed. So that when we try to bring into a church any other thing, whether it's uh, race, or ethnicity, or socioeconomic difference, any difference, we are actually undermining God's plan and his purpose for his church when we try to make everyone the same. Because our unity, it's not based in our nationality, it's not based in our race, or ethnicity, or our socioeconomic status. Our unity is in Christ's blood, and that is it. That because we all are made right and adopted into God's family by Christ alone, right, We're all, that's our point of unity. And that in fact, when it glorifies God, when in the same church we have people who used to be enemies. And so in the Ephesian church, that meant, well, some of the Jewish people and Gentiles, they were enemies, but now they're a part of the same body, they're a part of the same temple that glorifies god in such a powerful way more so than oh we're all friends we're all of the same anyways so of course you've got to get along but what glorifies god is that salad of various various different vegetables not just greens no matter how much i like the greens it's true tomatoes are good croutons are good and so As we approach God, as we think about what Jesus has done, we do have to remember who we were. Yes, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but we were also separated from God as a people, especially if you're a Gentile. Remember that truth as we think about who we are today, because we are the body of Christ. We are the temple of the Lord. But that truth gains even more power and more wonder when we remember who we were. And so let's step into who we are. Let's make sure that we don't go back to who we were by bringing in things, divisions from the world, because God saved us from that. Christ saved us from that. And as we go and observe the Lord's Supper, The Lord's Supper especially reminds us, centers us down in the unity that we have in Christ, doesn't it? That it says that um, we remember Christ's broken body, his shed blood to create a new body, a unified body, all based in Christ. And So as we go to the Lord's Supper, we do so remembering that Christ, his his blood, it didn't just reconcile us to God, although it did do that, it's also reconciled us to one another. And that's why we take the bread and cup together. That's why when we gather, we take the bread and cup, because Christ didn't just reconcile us, again, to Christ, to God, but to one another.